Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello, folks. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we talk about translating strategies into frontline operations. Today, Luke Allen, founder, CEO of R-Town, R-T-O-W-N. Eight years in July. That's yes. what you said, right? Yes. Eight years yeah. in July. And so in the pre-show, I said, Luke, what's uh, what's cool about you? Like, what do you want to share? And he's like, I got no personal brand. <laughs> so this guy, this guy does it all for everybody. And then he's like, oh, I don't do anything cool. Like I, I travel. I like to learn. <laughs> so we'll learn more about Luke through his stories today. So Luke, like every other guest, I give you the opportunity to pick the title of the show. So what do you want to put? What's the crazy question? And I absolutely love it. What is it? Tell our, our listeners. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, looking at success or failure through the lens of your own culture. So what the title will be, why is everything working so well or not? Right. That's what you came up with. So Absolutely. with great. that said, so why so why did you come up with this title? Why 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 are we using that title? Well, a because I didn't I didn't come prepared knowing I'd have to come up with a title. <laughs> B, I think probably because top of mind for me is uh, you know what's going on inside my own organization right now, and uh, we're we're currently you know on the uh, on the rise uh, and, and and having an absolute breakout year for for the company, um, and and um, we've had in our eight year period and and yeah so started in July of 2013 but really lots happened leading up to that including getting a customer before i incorporated the business so yeah <laughs> technically it's technically a, a little older than than uh, than i that i shared with you but um, and then the inside joke was well this is hilarious we have revenue and a customer we should probably get a company and so i named the business park before horse holdings Inc. and 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 registered that. <laughs> and oh, that's a good piece of information. There you go. You can put that. The first name of his company was put the cart before the horse company incorporated. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So and the DBA is our town. Um, but uh in my head, it's like this is awesome. This would be a good founding story, a nice little inside joke, and this could be our thing. But then what I didn't know was that uh, you know. The payroll stubs say cart before horse, so every future employee would see it. I didn't know banks see it. I didn't know a few other investors would see it. I really just, you know, I had never gone this far with any companies yeah, that yeah, started yeah. before. So um, my naivety was like, this is an inside joke, but in reality, and here's a lesson for startup founders is, you know, that decision kind of matters in the end. And some people might take <laughs> it seriously or not on the back of what you choose your you're a legally uh, incorporated name to be. So, um, but we have a we have a good laugh about it now. Um, and of course, uh, the company's matured and put puts puts the heart the 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 the, the horse before the cart a lot more uh, now than we did in our startup years. However, the spirit of that is still alive here. So, anyway, oh, awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, I picked the topic because yeah, we're having a breakout year, and when I reflect, uh, when I honestly, truly reflect on. Uh, the the years that have been great and then the years that have not and we've had both uh i can really like honestly look in the mirror very deeply and and know that um these are uh these are cultural challenges uh as much or more than they are um market challenges uh and so you know put another way when you think about the topic of this and why i picked is things are going really well right now and i reflect on our culture right now is working beautifully and and so, um, and 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 that's a reflection of everyone in the company, um, and and the years that it's been 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 poor, it's a reflection of everyone in the company, but also primarily the CEO, and it's a it's a deep reflection, deep look in the mirror to fix those. 
So let's talk about culture yeah. for a second. When you say yeah. the culture is, what, what's your definition of corporate culture? Yeah, it's, it's the lived behavior. So Good. It's, it's what, what actually shows up. Okay. Not, not stated, not aspirational, but it's what, what's, what's true. Um, and what, and, you know, like, you know, they're stated through and developed through uh, things like core values and mission and purpose and, you know, the sort of foundational building blocks of why an organization exists and where it's going and, and, and how people are expected to behave. And that's all very important work to, to build out. Um, but it's lived behavior that makes it true, not that you have it, it's that you live it. So, so right. So I tell people all the time, you know, you know, when people say, well, I've got a business process, I've got this, I've got that. And they say, oh, I've got all these tools, right? I got this new SaaS and I've got this and I've got that. And, yeah. You know, and you go, well, I always ask, well, what behaviors have you set? Have you set a code of conduct, right? So the right behavior, as far as I know, companies are still run by human beings. And so it's yeah. important a, a behavior is not good or bad. A behavior can be measured. If it can be watched and counted, then it can be measured. If it can be measured, it can be managed. So yeah. people always underestimate the power of morale, which is somebody's enthusiasm to accomplish a task. Yeah. So if they've got motivation, then the effort is there. Then the effort is there. Then given the right processes to be able to achieve those results. So thank you for yeah. saying that because Damn it, I say it all the time. <laughs> I spend yeah. so much for these tools and I've got this and I got NetSuite. Not, nothing got NetSuite. I love NetSuite. It's like, yeah. Just because you got the tool, like a chainsaw, just because you got a chainsaw doesn't mean you can cut a tree using the chainsaw. So yeah. fabulous. What are some... Uh, well, go ahead. No, no, no please. No. Uh, to, rip, to rip off of that, I mean, I, I, I think about it in terms of... Um, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. We're, we're organizations are a collection of humans um, working together in a, in a in a in what would be otherwise an incredibly blank canvas full of mm -hmm. infinite amount of ambiguity, and you're trying to organize everyone around uh, accomplishing a common set of goals. And and so, but what's fundamental is people are part of the process. So at the end of the day, it is a human endeavor. Organizations are a human endeavor until the robots can do better than us um, at, at, at more things than they currently are. But, uh, you know, how and then and then you, you look at fundamentally and particularly, I think this is uh, true in the West, like in North America, for sure. Uh, people here are um, incredibly bright, incredibly talented, want to be given tons of freedom and um uh, and trusted to do the work. And so, and, we, and then couple that with where we are in, in our time, we live in a world that's got immense amounts of complexity, technology speeding at a rapid pace that no individual person could ever claim to keep up with. Um, like that genie's out of the bottle. And so when we live in a world where it's changing all the time, you need environments for organizations that remain nimble where, where people given the right set of high level parameters for what we're trying to achieve and how we intend to behave can then exist with and bring their full creativity and their full expression and their full level of trust into a role inside the organization and know where the parameters are um, without management, without as much management oversight. Yeah. Put another way, culture is a way and designed right and built right is a way for people to make independent decisions irrespective of there being a person at the top that thinks they know everything, which is just fundamentally not true. It's, uh, it's, about, uh, it's about serving customers and deciding to make changes on behalf of a set of governing principles that guide, guide, the, uh, guide the future. So we don't live in an age where it's like one person knows it all and everyone turns to them for answers. Um, it's a living and breathing thing. So this serves, I think culture again, comes back to that, like having it set up correctly or, or, or effectively is, is what serves uh, customers and team really well. The, so, uh, yeah. One of the major components that people forget is that if you create a circle of safety and, and so, yeah. yes, we have advanced in time, but humans are still creatures. Yeah. No, so it's either painful or gainful, right? So what I do, 
even if it's short-term pain for long-term gain, people always focus on think, feel, do. And if they feel safe, yeah, they will do actions that reflect their thought process, not necessarily their feeling. Yeah. Which they'll go against, okay, so I understand there's the benefit, but I will be safe in this endeavor. Yeah. Um, one thing that a lot of people, I, I was in the army, and so I went from regular forces to more specialized forces. And in the specialized forces, there is more of a consensus than a dictatorship. So in, in the regular forces, you know, the officers came in, gave the instructions to the non-commissioned officers, and the NCOs said, okay, you do this, you do that, you do this, and it worked very well. But then in smaller forces, uh, more specialized, it was more of a round table. And everybody brought a specific set of skills, and the officer was the only one facilitating the yeah. conversation. So what do you think you, what do you think you, what do you think you? Okay, so I've got the final decision. My work still counts. And I've listened to everybody around the table. Yeah. So that is a critical skill that leaders, I always say, you need to facilitate and elevate. So those yeah. two things are critical yeah. path of, if you want to call it culture or a good behavioral-based organization. That's the value in, in good interaction, right? That's right. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, your, your story there, I can, I can riff off of that a bit. I, uh, you know, we've recently, uh, we recently had a, um, an initiative with one of our larger spending customers. And to just speak quickly about our town for context in this story, mm -hmm. we're, a performance, yes. we're a performance marketing agency. So we, we partner with small to medium-sized businesses and help them with digital strategy and execution. Um, we run a complex business because we're experts across search marketing, paid and organic, social media marketing, paid and organic, and and web marketing, including e-commerce. So um, Shopify, WooCommerce, I mean, we play in these spaces. So this is a story of an e-commerce customer who started with us in December, um, you know, with a mission to grow sales. Like our mission was to improve conversion rates, bottom of funnel conversion rate was too low from their previous agency. They wanted to switch to get a better outcome. So we grew their sales in December, January, and February. They came in spending you know, this much with our town. And then after three months of overachieving metrics, the CEO put it to us to, what does it look like if I double my current run rate of sales? How much <laughs> more do I need to spend with you guys and platforms to, to achieve growth sales objectives? And the way we're structured is we have experts across different disciplines. So this is a multi-team approach to the challenge that this customer put to us. Um, and over the course of two weeks, each of the team members went to their respective areas of expertise, did the research, came back, we collaborated. We used historical sales data that we now have from the customer to justify a reasonable forecast. But all told, it was just flow. The way that worked with the team, we came to a meeting with the CEO last Friday and they, they doubled their spend with our town and more than tripled their spend with, with ad platforms because they, they had trust from our results. The team did their research, came back in. Um, you know, most sales processes that grow accounts require a lot more. Uh, they can be a lot slower and a lot more arduous. This was like watching jazz players play like their, their instruments. And, and I got to say, like sitting back and watching the team execute at this level, it's like, it was just a thing of beauty. And when I, when I think about it is it's, it's high trust environment where no one's afraid to speak their mind or their part. That doesn't mean everyone agrees with everything people mm. are saying around the way they don't. There's, there's, there's healthy amount of debate and discussion around the right approach because we're essentially error correcting on the problem at hand. And mm -hmm. trying to fine tune to create success for client us and make sure our team can do what we say we're going to go and do. Um, and to do this across disciplines, I mean, it was just a thing of beauty. But it it's born out of it's born out of a culture where there is a uh, a high trust environment where people are are asked to show up um, and speak up uh, and, and 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 then also own the outcomes um, and then also own failures when there are mistakes made. Uh, right. So um, that that piece is just part of the process. But 
the, 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 the culture allows people to stick their necks out, knowing that if they skin their knees, it's not a lop off of the head. So it's a culture of, it's a culture of, um, uh, culture of ownership, but, uh, but not fear. Right. Yeah. And what's, what's not okay though, is not learning from those mistakes. So if you make mistakes, then the job is to know where the error went and go through the pro- the list of checklists in the process, to figure that out. So it's okay to fumble, but let's, uh, let's not repeat that because uh, we all want to win and, and so on. So yeah, I, uh, it can be a lot of fun when it's working, but I can tell you other stories where I know it, we'll I know. get to that. We'll get to that. I think the the, the one thing that I say in in my proper very uh, uh, east side east side kind of language is when you fuck up, mess up, right? Yeah. Put your hand up and say, "All right, I fucked up. <laughs> that was me. That yeah. was me. Okay, yeah. I learned something. Like you said, you know, I got a bloody nose." Yeah, I know not to do that anymore, and I think that's critical to success. Now, yeah, I agree. On the other side, job one for CEO is to lead that, lead with that, and that that sets the tone that mistakes are okay. Because as long as you're out there in front of yours, and the nature of the job of a CEO is that's all you do is make yeah. mistakes. You're not, you're no good at any one thing that everyone around you is way better at because uh, you can't get there. You can't get as deep on on the things. So the whole, the whole rule is collect as many great people as you can who can go deeper than you and and make sure they care. We all care about the same things. That's right. That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. The uh, I always tell people they all say, "Oh, you failed. You failed. You failed. You failed." No, it's not about failure. It's about learning. Exactly. The the on the opposite side of the coin, I see too many CEOs and leaders who are too permissive. And saying, you know, at a certain point, wrong decision. So, so wrong choices then become wrong decisions, right? So, if you keep on doing the right, the, the wrong thing, then it becomes a decision. And if you decide to tolerate that, then it's your fault for letting somebody else make too many irresponsible mistakes. There's there's an honest mistake and there's an irresponsible mistake. Yeah, and that is. Um, and again, I'll put a military kind of tone and negligent discharge. If you've got a round in the chamber when you know you shouldn't be having one, somebody yeah. could get killed, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, especially in the culture. So, tell me, have you? This is a hot topic for me because uh, I use the term terrorist because in people's organizations, and I'm dealing with one now, mm-hmm. they've got some high performers. Yeah. But our culture crushers. Yeah. Yeah. These guys will come in and not to take anything away from salespeople. But most of the time, it's it's in sales. And mm-hmm. it got this killer sales guy, right? And I I heard it from EO guys all the time. Oh, I've got this killer crush. But man, oh man, he is horrible for my culture. Yeah. Have you have ever lived an experience with a so-called terrorist? And what yeah. have you done? Oh yeah, it's it's. I've been clear on this for years. It's they got to go. There's no, there's no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. I mean, there are, there are circumstances where short term maybe they have to be hung on to for strategic reasons. Short term, that I can understand. But long term, the job is to get them out. Okay. Yeah. And you've lived situations like that? Yep. Okay. Give us a story without pointing names. Give us how did you deal with it? Like, how did you come up to it? Did you find out? Did somebody else tell you? Like, what was the kind of tell the story of what happened? Yeah, the the truth always squeezes out, but. Um, in one example, and I've had more, more than one of these, and I'm, I've been in B2B for, for my whole career, really, if you think, if you think in those terms, if you think in terms of business to human now, the older I get, but, but in, in, uh, you know, I've only ever sold the businesses and the companies I've built or, or worked, worked with. So, um, which for the most part requires a sales organization. So I, I, uh, I've, uh, I've seen this. Several times. The exact one example that comes out um, uh, is someone who's 
scoring lots of goals and their numbers are ahead of the pack. Uh, but uh, there, uh, you start to get whispers of sort of uh, t- texting terms that are outside of our standard terms to a client that kind of helps the deal along, but is not in line with company company policy or the way we the way we sell, or certainly not part of the promises the organization makes. So uh, that that's that's uh, stuff that sort of bubbles up. And then you hear and you hear until you kind of go in and validate. But once validated, it's it's uh, pretty much uh, you know one of the worst offenses is, is the piece of integrity. It's it's, it's really offside. And and uh, and so um, yeah, what what what's done through that is you know of course give them a chance to speak to it, but uh, you got to get them out of the organization. And in this case. Um, uh, took legal advice to okay. um, to you know manage a process of documentation uh-huh. where lawyers were worried about you know threats of uh, going to the human rights tribunal, etc. So this is the, one of the worst cases where I've had to deal with someone uh-huh. and getting them out. Um, and so. But I'll, I'll say that, and not to not to not to knock on the lawyers. In hindsight, I regret taking their advice uh, because I ended up waiting three four months. Document document, fired them. Advice was to wait a little longer, but three months in three months in a startup culture, you know, a small team. I think we were maybe maybe twenty eight people at that time, um, which. Uh, which which isn't the, the largest organization. It's not the smallest either. But I I, I always think that the lowest performer, the lowest, the worst offender, is sets the bar for what's acceptable. So so when when it comes to culture, if someone's doing something that others are witnessing it, they, all of a sudden, if you accept that, that's that's now the new benchmark. So yeah. um, of course, respecting their confidentiality and not wanting to make it an issue in front of others is dealt with in a private way to try and manage them out. Um, you know performance write-up, et cetera, eventually fired, still threatened to go to the human rights tribunal. So I faced the same, I faced the same ultimate threat. <laughs> and and I'll tell you why I don't I, I when I reflect on that in hindsight, I think about, you know, wouldn't have mattered if I had done it when I found out for a fact and not given them a chance. I should have done it right then and there. Really? So I think my mistake was um in my inexperience was uh Trying to give the, the person the chance to fix it, also documenting it in line with legal advice, um, and and then worried about the outside threat. I think that dragged our culture down. And this is a CEO mistake. I own that yeah. mistake. I let them stay in because I wanted to do the individual right in accordance with legal advice. But really, I should have fired them like as soon as I knew for a fact this was the behavior and this is what Correct. was going on. Right? So definitely a mistake. And I, you know, and and I can't communicate all the facts that I know to the broader team because that puts mm-hmm. you in a pickle with, you know, things that they might want to bring to you. Yeah. you the last thing you want to be as the CEO is a gossip among the team. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you try to try to coach and work through individual issues in a, in a private way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if I could do that all over again, I wouldn't have waited three months. I'd have done it right away and had the, had the severance check right there. And then, dealt with the threats of um, yeah. uh, uh, the human rights tribunal or whatever they were going to do to go to the media, et cetera. But um, they were pretty, they were caught in a pretty ugly situation. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, there's a story for you. So that hopefully that answers. Uh, no, that's good. I, we, can we move on with that? It's still a bit painful, Martin. <laughs> no, I'm happy to dive deeper on that. If there's more. Yeah, no, no, there. no. I mean, uh, it's a great lesson. It was, it was tough. Sorry. It was tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's, tough. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great lesson. It's a great lesson. And I hope the people yeah. who are listening realize that how many times do I hear, yeah, Martin, but he's the best sales guy or the yeah. best sales girl, right? He brings in so much. Yeah. I I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. How much is he destroying at the back end? And then I start going, okay. So you, I measure everything. My job as an operator is to measure everything. So again, so you had an issue two weeks ago, and then you had an issue a week before that. And let's let's just take the time to calculate how many man hours, how many people hours 
have we wasted at the salary, at your salary, at my salary? Totally. And and you calculate it and go, okay, so now we're at, I'll say $5,000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's your average sales price for one service or one product or whatever? Right. And then somebody goes 4,300. So you've spent $5,000 over the past, past two weeks. How many times do you sell this piece at 4000 Well, yeah. we sell it every two weeks. So you could have sold two more yeah. of these things and made twice the money instead of dealing with it. So tell me, tell me, what financial choice will you make or what decision will you make with yeah. two things that are very equal in measurement? Entrepreneurs, and I've made this mistake for years, they don't value their time like they should. Correct. Uh, and it takes a while to, uh, for that to click. But, you know, they tell themselves, well, I'm just dealing with these problems myself that show up from this person who is responsible for all this revenue. What they don't realize is like them dealing with those problems or their manager dealing with those problems is taking them away from high value activity, like coaching the other seven people on the sales team to elevate to top performer, but they are culture fit. They have a high integrity. They work as a team, whatever your culture, cultural values are. Um, and elevating people that fit your culture and focusing on that as opposed to ah, dealing with the one offender. You, you hit the nail on the head. You can break it down from a financial point of view, do the math and know that you're making the wrong decision to drive. Whatever you think you're getting in value from those sales can often be diminished by other time spent dealing with the mess. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, the, the key component into success is having a good, uh, a lot of people say, I don't like the word chain of command because it's too militaristic, but functional accountability. So yeah. I, I've used it twice now where I've said to the leader, like, okay, so you want to own this problem, you own it, but I'm holding you accountable to this problem. Yeah. And putting a little bit of, of pain in that decision making really serves sometimes because you go, the person goes, oh, well, hold on a second. If my head's going to roll for this idiot, uh, is it really worthwhile for me to, and hey, I empower you. You make the decision. You want to keep that person? Fine, keep it. But if they're not performing, it's your team that's not performing. So I'm going to hold you accountable. That's so right. some of the decisions happen pretty quick when when you say, hey, it's yeah. facilitate and elevate. It's the same way. It has a little bit more pain than gain to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you hit the nail on the head. And it's also a helpful tool for moving past the hierarchical need of ownership. Ownership can uh, flow from functional accountability. And so it's getting clear on what are the functions in the organization that need to be served. Uh, to deliver promises to your market, to your customers, really. At the end of the day, it all flows back from a customer-centric model. So what's the functional accountability uh, in the organization? And then it's clear who the owners are of each of the areas of the function. And at the end of the day, then it it enables two-way power. It's not hierarchical. It is a, it is, it is a, the, the, the power dynamic shifts into a hive and into a t- true team that's that's performing true, yeah. like a sports team, like laying out your like laying out your soccer team in different positions. Um, and knowing that as the game progresses, it's going to evolve and there will be times when certain players have to move into certain spots. But, you know, at the end of the day, everyone knows what needed to be done by their respective part in the overall whole. So, yeah, yeah, I love that term. Functional accountability is like the way to approach. Uh, uh, organizational structure. Too many people they they they, ass- they assign tasks to a person where one person could have a couple of functional accountabilities, and then that's when you start. Right when you started your company, you had all of these accountabilities under one hat. Yeah. Right. But then you started parceling out. What's that? What's this? What's this? Oh, maybe I'm not the best person. And then all of a sudden, it's lost in the org chart. Yeah. And that's where the corporate kind of culture kicks in. They go, oh, well, hold on a second. No, still be nimble, still assign functional. Job descriptions are important. Too many people go, oh, job description. No, job descriptions makes a person feel safe. Insane. Yeah. 
this is what my job is. It, to to uh, uh, an analogy, a sport analogy, you don't, in football, you don't want a big, you know, linesman that weighs 300 pounds. You don't want that guy throwing the ball. I mean, too much muscle, he's not going to be accurate. But yeah. then you don't want the skinny quarterback, you know, defending the other guy. Just, but everybody's important in yeah. that. Doesn't mean that you have to do everything yeah. uh, well. So, um, with that said, what do you do on a daily basis? And I, I'm putting you under the gun here. What do you do on a regular basis, daily or weekly, that makes you think, okay, so what am I doing for my culture? Do you think of it? I'm sure you do. Yeah. So, what's your leadership behavior to make sure that you're, uh, what's the term that we said? Making sure that everything works well, right? Why is everything working so well? <laughs> well, so um, yeah, at 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 our town, we have five core values. Okay, and uh, the team helped build them at our first annual our town retreat at a at a company offsite coming up on uh, seven years ago. The company's eight years old, so. Uh, so what do, what do we do as a team around this? So one of the things we do is, is, uh, on, so we do, you know, I think a lot of companies follow the Rockefeller habits or mm-hmm. I think it's called scaling up now by Vern Harnish. And, and, and we talked earlier before we got into our interview around tr- the book traction. Um, and so we do daily huddle. So I think this is talked about in, in those books. So we do our, we do our 10 minute team huddle every day. Um, all hands. It's man. It's one of the one of the mandatory meetings. Um, lots of freedom at our town for the team, uh, but one of the mandatory meetings. A ten minute meeting. So what do we do around culture as a team? As we, uh, our Friday daily huddle is core values shoutouts. Oh, okay. So we everyone uh, gets a chance to, and it, you know, as we're scaling up, it's it's going to be team based here. Uh, but gets a chance to tell a story of another R towner who lived the company's core value. Sweet. So they state the they state the person, what they witnessed, and the core value they're nominating them for. And we keep score. So <laughs> we we do an annual core values awards where uh, we pick the person who got nominated the most by their peers from the year playing business together. Gets uh, their name engraved on the core value award from that year. So wow, so we 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 make this a weekly thing we talk about and celebrate when we witness our core values lived by someone else. So one of our core values, as an example, is team over individual. Uh, someone went on vacation last week. Another team member really stepped up to take on their load at a time where it was in high high demand and went over and above. To make sure that person coming back from vacation wasn't in a total shitstorm, so they would give them a shout out, team team over individual. Thank you so much for covering for me. I know it was a lot. That's like my shout out for this week goes to so and so. Wow! But just exactly to give you an example, because that's like one of the things we do here. Um, uh, yeah, and we tell stories. So that's it. I mean, it's week weekly story. Sweet. So, yeah. So you. That's the biggest thing we do. Yeah. That is a so you've inadvertently, and I don't know if you know this for a fact, but you use the feedback engine, which is yeah. R and car R. So you said context, action, result. So when yeah. in the shot out, you said, okay, Luke, yesterday, Luke, I was away on vacation. Context, Luke took over my work for what result is to live my company values or representation of the company. Wow, yeah. that is. Yeah. That is textbook, and that is amazing. I don't know many people who do that. So, I mean, yeah. for those who are listening, take a piece out of our town's playbook on this one, right? Okay, I'm glad we're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people, the first thing that I ask, right, I say to a company, what's your just cause, right? So you have a purpose, right? So a lot of people go, well, I just made T-shirts. Well, okay, so what's your purpose? I make t-shirts. There's nothing wrong with that. People need t-shirts. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's the just cause? Well, I make t-shirts in an environmental way that gives back to this. Oh wow, there's your one up. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've got your purpose, you've got your just cause. 
what's your big hairy audacious goals, right? From EOS operating systems to to uh, scaling up, then you really go into core values. Then I say, okay, how do you represent your core values? Do you have a code of conduct? Mm-hmm. And then they give me all these policies. Then they go, don't do this, yeah. don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. No, 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 no. And I, I don't want to compare team members to children. I really don't. But how you manage a family is the same way as you manage your family at that. You yeah. focus on the positive. You don't say, don't do this, don't do that. You say, hey, I'd like for you to do this. You empower them to yeah. do. You voice what is good in the world, yeah. right? So that's why a lot of people. I mean, I don't know about you, but I this I disconnect from news as much as possible because it just it's never good news. And I want to fulfill my. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that I'm objectively naive in the world, but I just don't look at news consistently because I feel that it's important. To teach my kids, hey, focus on what is good. What did you do today that changed the world, right? One little thing at a time. Yeah. Um, We do good good news every day in huddle. The first two minutes of our 10-minute huddle is good news. And so the whole thing around that is just, you know, being a study of human nature, we have a propensity to store away and revisit negative occurrences. So we have a something built in us that's like, uh, we sort of lean negative. And, you know, it's probably going back to our cave men and women days where fear was the way to survive and ego, right. ego was the way to survive. And we've had a hard time, our culture and our, 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 our existence has evolved, but we still have some of those fundamental <laughs> wiring challenges. So we, we, uh, I even got to a place in in a, a, like years ago. I don't do this anymore because it's just become a habit. But it was about you know before going to bed, it was reflect on three positive things from your day and just like store that away. It's like a happiness hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, like revisiting. Ah, I screwed up over there. I did that. Or ah, I wish I didn't. That didn't happen. And you're you're in this negative loop for you know so avoid avoidance of pain as opposed to pursuing joy and, and fulfillment. Um, so yeah, we start off every day with good news, and that's really just about trying to force that habit through to the team. It's like, yeah, I know our days are, you know, work can be hard, and and the market is ruthless, and and you know, it, it, it's cold. Business can feel cold, and mm. playing the game can be tough. And um, so, uh, but don't forget, like, there's a lot of good things to celebrate every day, even when it's even when things are going to shit. And we've had years where it's like. This isn't working at all, and it's still show up. What's the good news? Okay, that's so incremental improvements on things. So it remind you that it's like okay, journey's never done. We're 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 constantly error correcting and trying to improve on yesterday into tomorrow, and that that is the stuff to kind of build habit around. And uh, yeah, you know, you kind of touched on it. Uh, positive reinforcement and and positive stories. Uh, create behavior change as well or better than uh, constantly being a, these are the rules and you got to read the guidebook with like, uh, I know we have like a manual at our town now, but I never refer to it. I, frankly, it's just too hard for any one person to know them all. And it gets patchwork and strung together by mistakes of the past. And, and, and it's way easier to think in terms of core values. It's simpler and people get their heads wrapped around it. And remember more, and so it's it's uh, it's not to say those policies and checklists aren't important. They they are, but they're not culture. They they definitely aren't culture. <laughs> so a playbook's a playbook, right? If you yeah. get a reference material, right, it's something that you go back to. Uh, you don't open up your uh, laptop uh, how to right. every morning, right? Because you, <laughs> you get to know it after a while. Right? It's only yeah. when you go. Hmm. How's this go again? So you yeah. go with a question mark. You go, oh, that's how I do a background in Zoom, right? right? <laughs> it's it, it's. I have a, a good story about positivity. I I walked out to my office because with COVID now it's a twenty three step commute uh, from the kitchen yeah. to my office. So. You got a bigger place than me. One's <laughs> 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 <was> even shorter. <laughs> So in my commute back to dinner time for, with my family, uh, I, I started smiling. And uh, my wife goes, why are you smiling? I was like, you know what? 
Wi-Fi really worked well today. It didn't have a glitch. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, Wi-Fi was good today. Why are you thinking about that? Because I'm, I'm, I was thinking about something to be grateful for because I've closed out my day. And I was like, you know what? I didn't have any Zoom issues. I didn't have connectivity issues. I worked my day. So I'm grateful the Wi-Fi worked well. Yeah. Yeah. And then my kids just started laughing and laughing. And I said, look, by this silly thought, you think that I'm stupid. That makes yeah. you laugh because you're my wife. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids are just laughing their head off. I said, look at the look at the energy that's changed. If I would have come and say, Oh, I had a hard day's work, and I did. And there's a lot of people today, they forget to celebrate hard work. And you know, even like, and I, I appreciate your story, but even the um trivialization of Wi-Fi as something to celebrate. Yes. And I know we're all, we can laugh at that and understand that on a level, but really when you think about it, it's freaking amazing. It is. <laughs> I remember being on a plane, flying home from a, from somewhere for work and, and sitting next to a stranger. And I was just looking out the window and she's like, why, why are you, uh, well, I'm going to ask you. So she kind of got in, got into my world to strike up conversation. Why are you? Why are you so happy? Like, why? What's the grin on your face? And I'm like, it just occurred to me that we're flying. (laughs) This is is incredible. (laughs) And I won't forget it because we ended up, we talked for like two hours. We talked the whole rest of the way because she was like, holy shit, you know what? Yeah, man, we, the the things we take for granted, like we, we live in such a a world that's like, and you talked about the news earlier. I mean, it's just, we're, we're, we're spoon-fed negativity all freaking day in media. And we forget like to look up and see the forest for the trees. Like there's so many absolutely incredible things like Wi-Fi and flying that we should be celebrating. Um, but anyway, I appreciate your story. It's it's absolutely true. And then just that one thing can shift and change the whole room. Oh, and, I, I, and, I, and by the way, problem solving from that place of mind, way better than the place of like whose fault is it? And uh-huh. And what's the, you know, so, I mean, so you move so much slower when you're in a, uh, a different environment. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. Going to the roots of the, situ- of, of the issue, right? Often in times, you know, when you look at, um, I work in manufacturing as well. So I've got clients that work in manufacturing. So safety is an issue. So when something goes wrong, there's always an investigation, right? And so yep. a lot of times it falls back to human error. Right, you go, you do a cause analysis and you go five whys and go, why did this? Why did this? Why did this? And you go, well, hold on a second. You always can blame it back to a person, always. But ultimately, what's the benefit of doing that? What you're saying is that you're looking for somebody to blame. So you're saying, well, this didn't work. And so this, this didn't work either. This did not work either. So you're blaming the guy or the girl who invented the thing. And not realizing how to fix when you go, okay, how do we fix the first one? And then, okay, so if there is an alignment, is there a fixing this one? If you take a a perception of risk mitigation Mm -hmm. and completely objective about, now, don't get me wrong. If there is a behavior that needs to be modified, then absolutely. Totally. Um, Yeah, absolutely. and, And you have to focus at the organization as a whole. The same. Why did this behavior happen? Um, and ultimately, if the person was malicious, which is never, because who comes to work with a malicious intent of hurting themselves or others, is zero. Always a, almost always good intent. I mean, even the the sales guy I had in my story gets painted as a villain, but really in his mind, he's doing side deals on his text because he wants to deliver value to the organization and make the sale. I mean, what's not connected in the brain is like, that's like out of integrity and we don't promise those things. So doing it on the side isn't good, but the intention wasn't wrapped up in, in malicious evil on its own. It's, it's very rarely about that when you really dig into it. And uh, so, uh, but seeking to, seeking to correct uh, behavior is uh, uh, best served by uh, kind of, we talked about it earlier humble servant leadership and a culture of servitude where everyone knows they're one part in a broader, uh, broader, uh, you know, game that everyone's playing. And, yeah. um, and so 
even as you talked about trying to figure out where did it, where did it break down in the chain, even if it's an individual at the end of it, it's having the environment where it's not about, it's not a lynching exercise. It's an error correction exercise. And we we need you to understand that what you do as a, impacts the rest of the chain. And so if it, it does boil down to you, we want it, we want this to be an okay part of the discovery process and, and fix on it. But it, the, the starting point for that to be a successful endeavor is a culture of openness, honest transparency, where ego has been somewhat squeezed out of uh, the day-to-day operation. And so, but if you have a high ego, low trust environment, give me a hard time figuring out what, what broke down where, uh, because everyone's just going to be looking out for number one. Ego. Uh, ego okay. is the killer, right? A yeah. lot of time. It's not that the, the guy or the girl does not want to correct the behaviors, that they don't have the ego to admit that they've done something wrong. Correct. And that is, that is in my, and, yeah. and that's why I practice need help, right? The one thing that yeah, we do in totally. our daily huddles for us is what's your need help? And when people don't have a need help, that's when I push down and say, well, find something. Yeah, find some. Well, I don't need help. Well, find something because either you're not performing, you're not looking at solving problems, or you're not pushing yourself. So it doesn't tell me a lot about you if you don't need help, right? Because you're not pushing yourself at the capacity that I want you to be at. Yeah. And oh, oh, that's a different conversation, right? So I would say, hey, I need help with this. Who and that, and then we can get into the Brene Brown of courage and vulnerability and all that good stuff. But I mean. It all kind of fits into this ego of not wanting to admit that one, I did something wrong. I need to change for this company. Who are they to tell me what to do? Right. Well, yeah, you screwed up, man. So you gotta you gotta fit with the you gotta fit with us, the rest of the sheep, and and and, yeah. and Baba the same way we Baba. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that said, I always say leaders are. Leaders or learners, not reader. Leaders or reader. I'm dyslexic, so for me, reading is is I read all day long. So at the end of the day, podcasts or whatever. So what has two things? What has moved you the most? What this one piece of reference? It can be a book or a saying or an author or a speaker. What's the one person that moved you the most? That's number one. And the second question will be, what's fresh right now what is luke learning right now so let's go to the first question oh my god one person or or book or anything something that you go this is what i always refer back to or this is the one that really propelled me as a leader or made me be who i am today I would point to a few different books that I think are uh, deserve the credit because I don't I don't think I have one as it relates to leadership that okay. is that absolutely covered everything. Um, but uh, the first one uh, out of this set will be Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yep. Uh, that's essential for organizational uh, leadership and culture. And I love his books because they're told as fables. So they're super easy to read. Yeah, they it's are. storytelling. And uh, that gets the concepts across. So five dysfunctions of a team. Um, uh, the Great Game of Business, Jack Stack. Of course, Jack, yeah. yeah. And then uh, uh, the uh, I, re- I read the Rockefeller Habits. It's now called Scaling Up, but that was my first book into it. And that was really, that one really, uh, frankly, I'd say more than anything, I went to a, a, a leadership training seminar in Vancouver in 2007 or 2008. Huh. And I had been in executive leadership, but struggling to connect all the dots. Mm-hmm. And I sat in with a guy who was, I think, one of Vern Harnish's early coaches in Vancouver, Kevin Lawrence. And uh, the stuff around core values and culture really started to connect. The dots started to connect for me in a real way in that in that uh, training. So I'd say that if there if there was a single point in time where I was like, boing, light bulbs went off, <laughs> a whole pile of things. I was like, how do I? Because I've always been curious and I've, I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. Um, that was the moment where I was like, yeah, okay, I got that. I, I think I, I think I have enough now. I think like so a lot of things went off for me, and then. Um, 
Yeah. So that's, that, that's, uh, you know, leadership stuff, like books I've read around leadership. Those would be, those would be the, those would be the top, top three. Good yeah. to great. Jim Collins, good to great Jim yeah. Collins, just to throw that in. Cause that absolutely has to be read. It's so, so great. So those four. And then what I'm reading now, I, I, this last year has been crazy. I mean, as <laughs> like for everyone, um, but I've spent the bulk of my learning this last year around mindfulness. Uh, and so I'm reading books about consciousness. Uh, like I read the book Conscious by Annika Harris, Sam Harris's wife, um, human performance and mindfulness. So the, my, my learning this last year has been very inward and meditation practice and, and, and so on. The book I'm reading now is called The Beginning of Infinity by David Dutch. And it's all about um, human knowledge and the uh, how we obtain knowledge and the reach of our knowledge as a species. And holy smokes, this is, this book's blowing me away. It's, it's um, having to, he's way smarter than I am. He's a physicist. So it's, a, it, and he's re, he wrote this book for physicists and philosophers. So I'm having to like, this is one of the books in, the, in a while where I'm having to like really slow down and like, did, did I actually understand that last paragraph? I'm rereading the paragraphs, but once I do, and it's slow and it's a bit of a slog for me, but I'm loving that right now because it's a real, it's a real challenge and I'm finding it really fascinating. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the latest stuff for me. It's all about what, what it is to be a conscious sentient being. And, uh, <laughs> to and be to, or not uh, to be, that is the question, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Luke, where can people get a hold of you? If uh, well, I'm on, uh, I'm on all the things, LinkedIn, Twitter, my first name, last name. Um, yeah, I, I have an, I, I'm open to any entrepreneurs who want to reach out. I'm happy to hear from them. If I can help any one of your audience in any way, um, wherever they're at in their journey, I'm happy to hear from them. So Luke, Luke at rtown.ca is my email. So L-U-K-E at R-T-O-W-N dot C-A. Um, email me. I'm happy to help. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So with, with that said, thank you very, very much, Luke. This was, again, zip by. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, I think, like an hour or 15 minutes in, uh, 15 minutes in into it. So thank you very, very much. Again, so this was uh, Luke Allen from Our Town. He gave his details. And thank you very much for being on the show. Hi, right, Martin. Great to see you again. Thank, thank you. you. And my name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.